You're going to be very happy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is me again. I am here again. You are hearing my voice once again. This is the beautiful way that we do things around here. Um, as always, my name is Jesse Hughes. I am your wondrous host. And today we have a conversation that has been at attempt for God knows how long. We've tried to do this several times. Um, today, calling in via Zoom, we have my good friend, Matt Morris. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm uh, very frustrated with the people in front of me at the state inspection line, but other than that, not bad. Yep, that is, <laughs> Matt is getting his car inspected as we are doing this. So if uh, very, if he pops in and out a few times, that's why. But um, today's conversation is going to be very special because um, – even though me and Matt agree on a lot, there's also a lot that we disagree on. And one of the biggest things that I think is very beneficial in our society, especially today, is having sitting down and having honest dialogue about issues with people that you don't agree with. I think that it's something that there needs to be more of. And so since I think that there needs to be more of it, I'm leading the charge and doing it. Um, so a big thing that we are not in agreement on is depending on the way you angle it and look at it, is the role of Christians in the political realm. Matt, can you give your just, you know, general overall view on Christians and politics and what that relationship would be or should be in your humble opinion? It's a little tricky to to explain in like a sentence or two because it's more... I guess, confusion or out of confusion than it is like, this is specifically what I believe. Right. Um, but I guess when I hear people say, you know, like Christians like should be involved in politics. I'm always like, I, I always want to ask, what does that even mean? What does it mean for Christians to be involved in politics? Does that like, for me, that usually looks like people just posting about what they don't like on social media. Or, like, if we're being honest, that's usually what it looks like. Uh, or uh, protesting um, at, like, a, at, at whatever people don't like or stuff like that. So usually my, my question is, what does that mean? Um, and if that's the case, then I, I want to say, like, well, why is that? Why is posting about what you don't like on social media inherently Christian? Why is that a thing that you're trying to promote? Which I know that's not usually the case, but that's usually what the practice is. Um, but um, if you want to go so far as to say, you know, every Christian needs to be involved in the, in the government. I mean, that's clearly not true. Um, you know, the church is made up of many body parts um, and not just a foot. Uh, certainly there are Christians in politics, but that doesn't mean, it's a gospel imperative, you know? Um, so I guess that's just my, my two cents right there is, well, one, define your terms. And two, if you're trying to say that every Christian needs to be involved in the government, my answer would be a strong no. Yeah, yeah. no, I think I would agree with that, uh, to the, especially the latter point. Um, not everyone needs to be 
involved in government. I know where that for me, that's personally what I want to do and what I want to be involved in. But um, when I, I know for me personally and for the people that like I'm around, when we use the terms like Christians should be involved in politics, what my mindset is and what I'm thinking is like, yeah, I post a lot. You like anybody that follows me on social media knows where I stand on any given issue. And I'm fine with that. But um, kind of the frame of mind that I'm approaching it from is I think that at the most basic level, Christians are, from my understanding of Scripture, called to be good citizens. And for me, part of being a good citizen is being not so actively involved to the extent of like being like me, like going wanting to go into government, wanting to do stuff, wanting to do this, wanting to do that. But more or less like being a good citizen means at least being a little bit educated on what's going on and participating in processes like voting and stuff because I I get it. Sometimes it's hard to vote. Sometimes voting leaves bad taste in people's mouths because sometimes you don't have great options. And it's very difficult to try and motivate people to vote when the options are not the best. But at the same time, I I am going to be a strong advocate always of, I don't care who you vote for, I just care that you vote. Because I think that in America especially, it's something that is a right that's guaranteed to us that is not something that's guaranteed in any other country. Like, you, you know, I come from Russia. I was born in Russia. Voting over there is way different than it is over here. And so I, coming from that frame of mind and that perspective, I have a very, very strong regard and respect and reverence for voting and for stuff like that because I know that there are places where you can't do that. <laughs> but um, that's my humble two cents on what I think it means specifically for Christians should be involved in politics from a clearly sit from a purely civic standpoint, but I also think that there's nothing wrong with if you want to be deeper, more deeply engaged, and go further and do the stuff like I do, like going to March for Life and advocating for, um, oh, yeah. getting rid of abortion and stuff like that. Like I think that that is stuff that is very important, and I the. I do think that the Bible says that we should call out injustices, and I clearly think stuff like abortion is an injustice. But um, I think, yeah. again, another big part of it is having conversations like this one, like this having conversations that lead to places of common ground and understanding is also, I think, a big part of it. Yeah. I do want to say, like, the common ground that we do have is, one, we understand the gospel. Yes. Um. <laughs> the way the Bible describes it. Um, you and I both abhor abortion as any serious believer should. Um, and I think we can both agree that we disagree on how we should respond to that. Uh, yes. Today, like the, so um, I, I would say the difference is um maybe you and I guess a lot of Liberty folks as well would say um, we need to be involved in the political process, whether it be just voting or posting on social media about it. I think I'm up next after this dude. Um, 
we should start protesting, um, which both those things are great. And I'm glad that we live in a country where those things are possible. Um, but I would say they're not things that Christians are absolutely necessarily supposed to do. Um, well, one through scripture, Paul is very, is very clearly shown um, opportunities where he could have called out injustices in Rome. Like Rome was guilty of more injustices in his time than America is in ours. Like there was mass genocides of all kinds of people. There was insane sexual immorality going on that culture that far surpasses ours. Um, yet when he would sit down with Roman philosophers, people who weren't even in the church, uh, he would not talk about those things. He would instead talk about the gospel. Um, I'm not saying we shouldn't talk about abortion. I'm not saying we shouldn't, you know, protest and stuff like that. But um, I think that clearly lays out what our priorities should be at. And I think personally, Satan would like to tempt us with the idea of talking about those things instead of sharing the gospel with the lost. Because the best thing for him is when we talk about things that don't work to save souls, essentially. Um, and obviously, there's the whole, you know, the miracle motif um, or know about the miracle motif? No, I'm not very familiar with that. Okay, so the miracle motif is the idea that um, political engagement and the government don't work to save society. What saves society is the gospel or preaching the gospel, whatever. You and I can both disagree on that. I think that's definitely not beneficial. Um, but I think for two different reasons. I think you disagree with it because, um, well, one, preaching the gospel doesn't like cause a society to stop performing injustices, like on a practical level. I would disagree with it because I fundamentally believe it's not Christians' responsibilities to fix society. So I think there's that difference. That's but fair. Oh, sorry. Yeah, but um, but again, I think what is fundamentally important here is the fact that we both do abhor the injustice that's happening in our country, and I think they're awful. Um, and I pray for them to cease every single day. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, it it really breaks. I one hundred percent get where you're coming from, and there are places where I do agree with that, but um. I like again. I do think the gospel should, in every circumstance, be our first priority. That's something that mm. I it, is just very. I just yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say. Um, and I would agree that like, I would agree with the Paul approach to an extent of like. Well, I mean, I would agree with it that bringing up politics and bringing up phil the different philosophical and political issues of the day should probably not be the first thing you do when you sit down and talk to somebody, especially if it's right. somebody you haven't met. But I don't mm -hmm. necessarily think that he, if he were sitting in on this conversation, I don't necessarily think that he would say that it's bad to talk about those things or call them out. I, it's oh, one no. of those. It's one of those things where I think that you have to know the time and the place and the audience. But mm -hmm. I know for me personally, like I also pray for an end to abortion every day and I abhor it. But, and maybe this is just because of the world that I was raised in and where I like the things that I look at and how I look at things. 
abortion in America is only going to come to an end through advocacy and getting it to end because a the first thing you have to do is you have to in the hearts and minds of the people make abortion unthinkable which of course is easier said than done but with the way that science is advancing with the way that different things are advancing with the way that our understanding of human development in the womb uh fetal development all that stuff is um the way that that's developing and um, the way that there are being breakthroughs made every day, I see more and more people starting to say, okay, I kind of understand the pro-life side more. I'm kind of want to come to the pro-life side more. And I think a big disadvantage is that the, when we go on like social media or when we watch the news and stuff, we only ever see the extremes of either side. Yeah, pause. The guy's about to come to me. (laughs) Do what? I'll be right back. Okay. The guy's about to walk up my window. All right. I while you were doing that, I will continue my little monologue and then when you come back, we'll continue the conversation. But what as I was saying, what I'm saying is as with anything, we in America only truly see the it, when we're looking at media, when we're looking at Instagram and social media and stuff, we only see the two extremes. We never see the rational normal people in the middle like I hope that you and I are. Um, we only ever see the far crazies of either side. And, I mean, I would probably by some people be labeled a far crazy because I think abortion is reprehensible in all circumstances. But my view of it is that the only way we're going to get to an abortion-free America is to change the hearts and minds, and that in- means advocacy and talking to people, having one-on-one conversations. And in many instances, those can be gospel conversations because I believe that as you're, if you if you have a gospel conversation with somebody and it does lead to them having faith and coming to Christ, then as they learn more about the Bible, I hope and pray that their viewpoints on certain issues become more aligned with what is actually biblical. Secondly, in order to get rid of abortion, there has to be a political solution, as much as some people might hate that. The way that abortion became came to be how it is in the modern era uh, was through the Supreme Court. Roe v. Wade made it to where states could not restrict abortion up to a, a certain point. And the only way to get rid of one Supreme Court case is with another Supreme Court case. And how do you get judges that will rule in a way that is actually constitutional and will row back Roe v. Wade? You have to vote for politicians that will put those judges in place. And in some circumstances, like for me personally, you have to be the politician that maybe puts that judge in place. I know that's not that's not what everybody's called to do. Like you said earlier, um, it's one body with many parts. The hand does not have the same function as the foot. The foot does not have the same function as the eye. The eye does not have the same function as the nose. So everybody has a job and everybody has a role. But there are many circumstances where I, it, I know, at least for me personally, my role that I feel like God is leading me towards is in the political world. And I know that for abortion, outside of culture, the only solution is a political solution through the Supreme Court. 
yeah totally um yeah i totally agree with that and i think yeah i think there's one there's two sides to this equation one of them is you know the political involvement whether it be posting on social media or uh you know protesting and stuff like that is like mandatory for christians and there's the other side of the equation it's like you know it shouldn't happen at all um i'm more in the side where it's like it's fine for christians to do that and honestly it's probably a good thing but i have yet to see somebody whose minds was whose mind was changed through a social media post (laughs) you know and that's Um, (laughs) fair I, i i understand that i've as funny as it may sound, my I have actually, and I, I know somebody who has, and I have also had my mind changed on issues, not necessarily because of a social media post that like somebody posts seriously, but ironically enough, because of a meme. <laughs> because wow. sometimes it takes memes to point out like the ridiculousness in certain ideas or beliefs and stuff. But that's mm-hmm. that's a that's a story for a different day. So I think yeah. I think depending on how you spin it and how you use it, it can be effective. It's just that there's a lot of people that uh, I, I have to be careful how I say this. There are some people that are not that intelligent <laughs> that don't know how to do it the right way. Oh, yeah. Totally. I agree with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I think also the root difference between the two of us and, and all of this is I think we would strongly disagree on whether or not it's a person's responsibility to try to fix our society, you know. Um but would you agree to that disagreement analysis? I, I would and I mean I think that I think that the church overall, its overarching mission, number one, is, of course, spreading the gospel to the nations, fulfilling the Great Commission. But part of that, I do think, is maybe not, I don't know if I'd necessarily term it fixing our culture, even though in many circumstances that's kind of what needs to happen. Um, but I think more or less I would I would phrase it and I would term it as more engaging with the culture and adding improvements um like take an if you take a non-political example and i know that you could argue that this is something we are commanded to do as christians and i agree it is something we are commanded to do as christians but if you take a non-political example of like feeding the homeless or caring for those who can't care for themselves or going and digging wells in africa or whatever um those are examples of the church engaging in the culture around it and depending on how you would frame and frame it, making improvements and quote unquote fixing society. Now where there could be some arguments is should we do that in a political sense? Personally, I believe that I don't think it should be the church's main priority to like try and get politicians elected. I honest, uh, this might be surprising to some people. I would, not want to go to a church where every Sunday the pastor's telling me who to vote for. But I do oh, yeah, th- totally. I think that when it comes to engaging political topics, there is a space for pastors to be able to talk about those things. I just don't think, A, I don't think it should be the main substance of the message. I think it should be maybe a side point that's brought up. But B, 
you know, yeah. I think that you can totally, I think it's 100 percent totally possible to talk about political issues and talk about what a biblical perspective on an issue is without turning around and saying, now go vote for this person. Obviously, people are free to make up their minds for themselves. They can vote for whoever they want to. Yeah, and, and it all boils down to conviction. I'm sorry? I said, yeah, it all boils down to conviction, ultimately. Yeah. No, 100%. I, and I agree with that. But mm. I, I do think that there are, I do think it is, a there are circumstances and places where it is appropriate for the church to 100% be actively engaged in cultural discussions and those kinds of things. I mean, if we take a step back and look at, for example, slavery, a guy like William Wilberforce who was went into English Parliament used his Christian convictions to advocate for ending the slave trade and then was able to do it, I think is a great example of how um, if we have a reference for how Christians should engage in politics and how Christians in the church should be engaged in cultural issues, that's a great example of something that I would point to because if you don't have guys like William Wilberforce and stuff who use their Christian convictions to be like, yo, slavery is wrong. And I know that today we kind of look at slavery as like, oh, it was a moral issue. It was this it was a humanity issue. Well, yeah, duh. But also at that time in that context, it was a political issue. And and that's a that's a whole nother soapbox for a different day about how people don't understand history. I'm not saying you don't. I know that you do. But there are people that don't understand historical context at all. And that drives me crazy. But yeah. It's as if history has nuance to it or something. Right. But, yeah. yeah, no, in the context of the day, that was 100% a political issue. And he, I think people like Wilberforce handled it masterfully. Yeah, totally. Yeah, and I think it's it's awesome when throughout history, you know, people in the church have, you know, expressed, like, Christ-like hatred for stuff like that. Um, I think, though, and I'm not saying this is you, I'm saying this is probably a lot of folks that I've talked to at Liberty, um, when I was there was um, kind of this idea that it's like, if you're not actively um, fighting against, you know, the sins of our day in, in our culture and society, well, one, you have to find culture. I don't know what culture is like paintings, art, movies. Like, I don't, I don't the know. The technical definition is. of culture is, <laughs> uh, I just had it, and then I lost it. Oh, yeah, it's um, basically I think that most people well, understand culture as the society around them, like the trends, the people, the beliefs, the customs, those kinds of things. That is culture. Awkward silence as I wait on whatever Matt is doing. Okay, so while I wait on him, um, I'm going to take a quick second um, to just... Uh, before we continue this conversation, because I have no idea what just happened, he'll come back in a second, I guess. 
I'm going to take a quick second to talk about our good friends over in Ukraine <laughs> because day by day, this situation gets crazier and crazier and crazier. And honestly, I do not know where this is going. I do not know what is about to happen. Um, I've seen conflicting reports about whether or not there are actually right now troops moving into Ukraine at the time of this recording. By the time this drops, who knows, Putin could have control over the whole country. I don't know. I do know that as recently as this is being recorded, there were a couple of regions in Ukraine that quote-unquote split off and kind of declared their own sovereignty. And Putin recognized those as sovereign lands. And from what I've heard, I think he has been begun the process of moving troops into those territories. So there is your daily Ukraine update. I don't know what's happening over there, but it is... It's something to be watching and something to be praying about, that is for sure. Matt is back. Okay, so back to our previous conversation. I passed my inspection, and this guy messed with my feet. All right. <laughs> Let's go. Cool. So give me a scoop update. Um, last thing I remember, we were talking about culture, so. Okay. That's right. Um, yeah, so how would you define culture? So my definition of culture and how I've seen culture defined is basically where you live, the people that live there, the customs of that area, the, like things like religious beliefs, um, different demographic um, factors, different things of that nature. Um, art and music are part of it, which... I could have an entire 20-minute rant about how I think that Christian art and music and stuff sucks and needs to be better, but we're not going to get into that discussion right now um, <laughs> as much as I would love that. But culture, I think, is basically boiled down to the world around you and the people in it and their beliefs and customs and habits and all of that good stuff. Gotcha. Sounds good. Yeah, I can I can see how that would be, or how that definition of the term could be used in the context is at least the way I heard it at Liberty um, by a lot of folks. Um, for better or worse, I mean, I'd never heard it defined like that because when I think of culture, I just think of like the movies I watch. Um, <laughs> you know. Uh, and that's but, fair. Yeah. I think it's one of those things that it has different. Like, there, there are several words where, like, it has different meanings to different people depending on their yeah, culture, for but, lack but, of a better word. Just, like, yeah. where they kind of grew up and everything and what their what their life experience is. Yeah, but, I mean, I think for, like, any Christian, the thing that should matter in any conversation is how you define your terms. Because that's oh, ultimately what... Well, it guides the conversation. If you say you want to fix the culture and you're just referring to movies and TV shows, like that's just theocracy. You know? I mean, I do want um, to fix the culture when it comes to that, but not through government coercion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Even though um, I w even though I am a huge advocate of free speech in the First Amendment, if I did have power for the for a day, and if I had unlimited power for a day, there is some stuff on TV right now that would not be on TV when I'm done. Feel that, um, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think there are. I mean, we live in a fallen and simple world. I think that's oh, of course, that's the thing. We can't 
in my opinion, it's almost kind of a waste of time to try to govern unregenerate sinners. God did it in the old covenant and <laughs> look what happened. It all, it only brought wrath upon the people he was governing. Um, thankfully in the new covenant, people are actually regenerate and well as the Holy Spirit. So there's a bit of a power difference there. Um, but I think, um, uh, at least for me, um, living in a violent world means like, you know, people are naturally just going to hate the things that are good and more. I mean, Romans one says this, like people who are outside of Christ suppress the truth and unrighteousness. And that's not going to change unless God saves them. Um, I don't know what just happened behind me, but that was interesting. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like people, people outside of Christ do naturally like just hate God. Like, yeah, I they're agree not, they're not just, you know, going through the most. No, they, they hate God. No, um, I, I so. agree with that. And I think that that is obvious, an obvious thing, an obvious fact of life. But I don't think that that should necessarily be a deterrent from, you know, wanting to improve the circumstances of the things around you. I mean, I think that being a good example and living out your beliefs it does not necessarily necessitate having to change everyone around you because you can't at the end of the day you just simply you yep. as an individual cannot change every single person around you but totally. at the same time i i understand the point of like you know god tried to govern the unregenerate and that did not work out well and that you know there are non-christians in america that hate christianity but i e- even in the sense of people hating God, there are still like places we can find common ground with people that aren't Christians. Like Mahatma Gandhi said, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. And sometimes I feel that way every day. There are principles in Christianity because the Bible says that the law is written on our hearts. That doesn't mean we follow it, but it is written on our hearts. There are universal principles and universal objective truths that everyone in their conscience knows that doesn't mean they necessarily follow it, but there are things that we can um, very much so find common ground. And, yeah. and that was a big thing with like the Founding Fathers. Many of them were staunch Calvinists. Some of them were not, but they were still raised in a Calvinist tradition because like 80 or 90% of the people in that day were Calvinists. Um they were raised in this staunch tradition. They understood the beliefs. They understood the views on different things. And that's where you that's where you get someone like Thomas Jefferson, who despite being a deist, still recognized that nature and nature's God laid down these universal universal principles, these unalienable rights, which were the basis of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence in that day. And that's, you know, even though he didn't believe in necessarily Jesus, and there are, there's some debate where people think that later in life he may have actually became a Christian. I don't know. I haven't seen enough of his personal writings or his... Who is it? Thomas Jefferson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But despite that, even though he wasn't himself a Christian, he still understood Christian principles enough to know 
you know, that certain things like the right to life, the right to liberty and that sort of thing were essential. Yeah, totally. I guess, hmm, I guess my question is, um, I'll ask it once I talk to this guy at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, right, I got time. Ladies and gentlemen, we're about to get a live look into Matt Morris's typical Chick-fil-A order. Matt Morris in his natural habitat. <laughs> ah, yes. The joys of recording while you're driving. Yep. I'm sitting here in this little studio in this room in this uh, um, radio station. You're out here getting Chick-fil-A, driving around, living life. Yes, sir. Um, anyways, uh, where were we? Oh, yeah. So the question I wanted to ask is, um, so, and th- this isn't going off just what I've heard from you. This is just a lot of, you know, yeah. kind of the Liberty, Liberty folks um, take on it. So there, you know, there's this idea that, you know, we need to fix the culture, we need to change the culture, we need to do X, Y, Z to, you know, make America more of a Christian nation. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of what I heard. Um, to your knowledge, or I guess from your opinion, why? Like, what's the goal? I think the end goal is ultimately, I don't think that we're ever, like, one. I don't think we're ever going to get America to like a place of being a Christian nation in the sense of every single person's a Christian. That's just impossible. I think the end goal is to, from a cultural perspective, have more Christian values as the norm, as opposed to what we have now, because I, I know that people hear the term cultural Christianity and get tense. And I know that I have feelings about the term cultural Christianity. I am personally not a fan of cultural Christians in the sense of people who proclaim themselves to be Christians and then don't act like Christians. I don't like that. But there is another sense of the term cultural Christianity that I've begun to understand in recent years of this idea that while not everyone is a Christian, there is this culture of shared Christian values and things where um, even though not necessarily people might not necessarily believe in Christianity, there are values and ideas based off of biblical principles that everybody kind of understands and gets. And, while, you know, there's not a good time period to point back to because, you know, no, there's not a perfect time period in American history. And I don't think there ever will be a perfect time period in American history. But, yeah. like, I mean, you can look back to the founding uh, yep. and you can point out the fact that there were issues like slavery going on at the founding that might negate this. <laughs> but you can point out that there are issues at the founding like slavery and, um, Un, a lack of equality when it comes to race or when it comes to gender. But at the same time, I would argue that even though that there were problems of that day that needed to be addressed, it was still, in essence, a Christian culture. Because like I, like I pointed out earlier, the vast majority of people that lived in America during that time came from a Reformed Protestant tradition. 
And that doesn't necessarily mean that they lived it out perfectly. And no one's ever going to live it out perfectly. I'm certainly right. not ever going to live it out perfectly. I try my best, but, you know, I fail every day. I make mistakes every day. I sin every day. Yeah. And another time period I hear people kind of throw around is like the 50s and early 60s. And obviously there were racial issues then. There were there was inequality then. There were things then that were not good, that were not, um, you know, that didn't live up to a Christian standard. But that was still a time period where people, for the most part, understood the Bible more than I would say that our culture does now. And that doesn't mean they were perfect. They obviously weren't. But there yeah. are. I think we can take, we can look at history and take aspects and cues from the past where we can learn from their mistakes, but also look at what they did well and be like, hey, we should try and emulate the things that they did well. Uh, I just got finished reading a book about Japan, about the Meiji Restoration for one of my history classes and a big part of the Meiji Restoration when it happened um, is that Japan began implementing Western political ideas. And at first there was pushback because Japan was more of an isolationist nation. They didn't really want anything to do with the West at that time. But when they right. began looking back at ancient history and looking back at where they came from, they saw that throughout all of Japan's history, while there were so, some select periods of isolation here and there, there were more yeah. often than not, the Japanese people would take ideas and principles and things from outside of, from outside cultures like China, like the Netherlands, weirdly enough, and implement them in their culture in ways that it fit in and it worked. And, um, it improved their society. And I'm not necessarily advocating that. I, I, it's kind of a weird comparison because I'm not saying that the United States should look at other nations necessarily and um, implement some of the ideas. Now, there are some good ideas in other countries. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not saying that other countries can't have good ideas. i just saying that, you know, I would, <laughs> there's some things he, I would rather keep that we have. <laughs> Um, like, I don't think that with the way things are right now, we would have protesters who are just hanging out, uh, be randomly arrested like our friends in Canada. But, um, back to the original point, because I just went off on a whole rabbit trail back to the original point. I think that for people like me who share my beliefs, the end goal is to a uh, the end goal the main end goal is to always proclaim and share the gospel with as many people and hope and pray that people are that have lives changed by it but also through engaging with the culture and engaging with the ideas of our time maybe even if we're not able to get people to convert to christianity maybe kind of show them that these christian ideas and these christian principles work way better and are way more effective than these ideas that you are advocating. So I guess, well, two things to finish off that. One, I don't see there being any biblical support for the idea of labeling a culture or a nation as a Christian nation, because what does Christian ultimately mean? It means like Christ, and also, like, what is the Christian? He is sanctified. He is glorified. He's all the same. 
the, the culture in, the, in a nation can't be sanctified. It can't be glorified. It can't be any of those things. So, I mean, I guess in that case, a better t- going off your definition, I would, which I mean, I do agree. I do kind of agree with what you're saying. I guess going off that, a better term would be Christian influenced. You're going through an area of poor connection, aren't you? We love Wi-Fi. We love data and connection issues. I don't know what's happening. All I'm watching, I'm watching the Zoom call, and he's just moving in slow motion. I can hear nothing. I can see. Oh, oh, he's back. He's back. Can you hear me? For like the last 30 seconds, I could just, I could kind of see you and I could not hear you. There was no sound or audio. Okay. So, um, anyways, my, my second thing was, is like, the question is, uh, my, my dude, you are not in an area of good connection. This is entertaining. <laughs> this is this is something else. It's my neighborhood. <laughs> yeah, this is, your neighborhood is uh, um, not allowing me to have a good connection with you me? right now. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. And as soon as I said that, you started cutting out again. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Can you hear me? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> This is not better, no. I cannot wait for you to go back and listen to this and hear what I am hearing. I have an idea. We're going to we're going to try this out and we're going to see if this works. Because if this works, it'll be legendary. <laughs> it works. Oh, dang it. Let's try again. Try this out. Give this a shot. This is by far, so far, the most convoluted, crazy episode I've had. Where I do not understand. <laughs> this is this is entertainment one hundred. Oh, here we go. Hello there. <laughs> I was wondering if it would work, and it does. And I'm kind of upset that we didn't try this originally, but I'm glad it works. What is it? Just calling. Oh my gosh! Here, I'm gonna actually real quick if you want to pause the the podcast and then i'll all right well ladies and gentlemen we're going to have a quick word from our sponsors and then we will be back
Welcome back, everybody. Thank you so much for still being tuned in. Um, I'm still waiting on Matt. I don't know what this man's doing. So I'm just going to take a moment to kind of just kind of talk by myself for a minute, kind of reflect on how this conversation has gone thus far. Um, I think Matt is a stand-up guy. I think he's great. Love talking to him. Um, obviously, as y'all can tell, we have some differences on some opinions on some things, <laughs> but it is what it is. It's a great, great, great time. I think that this is, what we're doing is a very important thing that needs to be done more often, where people who have disagreements sit down and talk to one another, and talk about the different things, why, what they believe, why they believe it, what they agree with, what they disagree with, the, the, all these different things. These are incredibly important because if you look at the culture around us today and if you look at the things where, you know, what's going on and all of that, a big source of everything is just disagreement and misunderstanding and lack of communication. And these are things that could be very, very, very simply mixed, uh, fixed by just sitting down and talking. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. Just sit down, have a conversation with one another, talk about the issues, talk about what you agree with, what you disagree with, why. Very simple. I'm going to talk about sports for a minute while I'm waiting on Matt. <laughs> so Super Bowl did its thing. Rams won. La-di-da, hoopla, let's go. Um, I, you know, I didn't really have that much of a dog in the fight to begin with. But I was kind of rooting for Joe Burrow. But you know what? It, it is what it is. Football is football. Um, what is some interesting news is we finally got a new look into what the formerly known as Washington Redskins' new name will be. They are now the Washington Commanders. Which, I'll give it an A-plus for effort in trying to do something that honors the fact of them being in D.C. or around D.C. But that's not a great name. <laughs> it's, it's not a good name. I don't like the name. They could have done literally anything else. Maybe not anything, but there's so many other things that they could have chosen. There's so many other things that they could have done. And they went with the commanders. What in the world? I do not understand, but you know what? I'm not the person making those decisions. Speaking of not being the person making some decisions, we got some interesting news out of the college football world this week where it was revealed that through the year 2026, I believe, there will not be an expansion to the playoff. Personally, I'm okay with that. I, I was never really on the playoff expansionist train to begin with. Now, I wouldn't have minded it. I think 12 teams is probably pushing it a little bit. I think 6, maybe 8 is kind of this magic number I think would have been a good good set idea. But 12, no. And I think that it's good that 
they were not able to make a decision on that because, you know, it gives them some time to kind of work out some kinks and some problems, not listen to crazy people who think that it should be 12, 12 or even 16 teams. Anyone who thinks it should be 16 teams, the reason college football is special is because it's different than the NFL. People are trying to make it more like the NFL. It doesn't need to be made more like the NFL. That's why. That's what makes it special is the fact that it's not like the NFL. And so anyone that is <laughs> trying to make college football more like the NFL does not know what they're doing. They just need to stop. That's just my personal opinion. But you know what? It, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. We live in a world of crazy people and crazy times and crazy things. It's kind of coming up on time for me to give this thing an end. Uh, me and Matt will probably definitely continue this conversation. Oh, never mind. Actually, he is ready. Ah, uh, yes, the phone ringing. Hello? Zoom is just not the best option <laughs> at this point, so we're just going to continue it like this. What? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you okay. Hear me? Yeah, we're just going to continue like this because I think that this will be simpler. Okay. Yeah, I like that idea. All right. Anyway, so Matt is back. Um, Where were we talking? Hallelujah. So I was asking, or I, I was giving like my two cents on your whole spiel about like Christian culture and stuff like that and Christian values, blah, blah, blah. Um, and I... I thought of two things. Well, one, like, I brought up how, you know, culture and nations can't be sanctified and all that stuff. Right. Um, and then my second thing was when I got interrupted by my own poor connection um, was what is the ultimate point of that? Like, I, I know I asked, like, what the goal in, like, student cultures and stuff was, and you said to make the culture have more Christian values, but what what even is the goal of that? I think a goal of that would be a having a better place to live where I don't have to, <laughs> where when I have kids I don't have to worry about them learning some crazy crackpot stuff about there being fifty seven different genders. But b I think that having a culture that is has Christian values as a basis, even if not everyone in the culture is Christian. Um, one, it just leads to a safer place to live. And, and I know that we're not called to safety. I, I am on the soapbox all the time about people living a safe, comfortable life because I think that it's annoying, but there, it does. I think there should be, especially if you have families, there should be a element of safety. Um, you want to protect your children. You want to protect your kids. Um, yeah. And B it. I think that having, if 
if done effectively, which obviously being fallen creatures, even though we're saved, we still have sin in us. We're not ever going to be able to do it perfectly. But having a culture that at least strives towards certain values, I think in and of itself is a way to point people to Christ because it's like if people live the way they should, and like I said, we're not always going to, but if people live the way they should, people are going to see that and be like, okay, I like the way they're living. It's a much better life than what I'm living. Let me check that out and see what that's all about. I guess, like, for me, it's just making no sense because, I mean, we, we live in a world where unless, you know, God sovereignly changes the heart, then people are just going to hate the things of the spirit, you know? Um, so I guess why, um, and this isn't just about you, this is kind of like about everyone who has kind of even a stronger mentality. Like we got win the culture, stuff like that. Um, why do you think there is that much militancy for that when, in light of the, the fact that everyone's just naturally going to hate the things of God? You know? I, I, I know that I'm not necessarily as militant about it, and I definitely know what you're talking about. I think for some people it's just an issue. I for many people it's an issue of um just how for for older people it's how they grew up versus what they're seeing now because they're living in two totally different worlds. And I think yeah. in I think for some people it's kind of that nostalgia of the past of I wish pe- things were as good as they used to be. And in many ways, we're living in the best days that we've ever lived. Things are as good as they've ever been, if not better. But also in many ways, there are things that are making the modern day like what the every morning I wake up and I'm like, what is going on? This place is crazy. Um, Mm -hmm. I think but, you know, I definitely understand what you're saying. And yeah, no, if somebody's not saved from a biblical perspective, they're going to hate God and hate the things of God but at the same time like we were talking about earlier it's trying to find those common values and trying to push towards those common values that maybe could push someone and you know we're you and I are both reformed in our theology so we don't necessarily think mm-hmm. that it's a person's choice in their salvation but um, yeah, yeah, setting that aside for a moment it will it, mm-hmm. having common values and living them out effectively will at least make people more curious about it. And obvious, I I'm not try. I'm personally not trying to, and I don't know people that are trying to espouse this. I know there are some, but I don't know them. I know of some in culture, mm-hmm. but I don't know personally. I don't know any who are trying to like mm-hmm. make it like. Oh, we're going to make the perfect nation the perfect utopia because we're going to make it a Christian nation again. That's never going to happen. Right. I'm not naive to yeah. think that's ever going to happen. It's just the same way that you're never going to have a socialist utopia like Karl Marx wanted. Right, just the same right. way you're never going to have any of these crazy u- utopian ideas ever come to life because human beings are not perfect. They are flawed, and we all know that. Some people don't know that. They need to know that. If you don't know that, yeah. 
spoiler alert, people are flawed. <laughs> Yeah. So, you know, it here. is it is what it is. And I think mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you know, you and I, I I don't necessarily I didn't come into this thinking I was going to change your mind. I'm not trying to change your mind, but I do think it's very likewise, pro- yeah. I I think it's productive that we're having this conversation in the first place because maybe there's somebody out there who doesn't know what the heck we're talking about, but listens and hears the two sides. And it's like, Oh, okay. I have a more balanced opinion of this. And even by virtue of me talking to you, I have a more balanced opinion because even though I might not agree with what you're saying, the fact that I now understand it better means that I have a more overall balanced view on the issue. And I think that's something that's lost on a lot of people in our in our society on both sides of the oh, completely. spectrum. Yeah, yeah. There's um, no nuance anymore. Oh yeah, there is no nuance whatsoever. Well, I am quickly running out of time. I've got some I've got class soon, so I gotta hop off and get this edited and get this posted. But Matt, thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh this has been a tremendous yeah. conversation, techn- technology issues and all. Mm-hmm. Agreed. <laughs> but thank you so much. Cool. Um And to you, the listener, thank you so much for listening in. I hope you have had a wonderful time listening to this conversation, even the uh, few bumps in the road that we've had along the way. Um, (laughs) But thank you guys so much. I pray that you each all have an amazing day. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at jhughes1776 for some good old Christian conservative content. Um, go subscribe to my YouTube channel. Do all the things. Do all the things. Matt, do you want me to tag you in this, or do you want people to? Is there somewhere people can reach you, find you if you want, if they want to, or do you want to be yeah, left I mean, alone yeah, like you... a hermit? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you can put my Instagram in there. All right, I'll drop I'll drop Matt's Insta Instagram in the good old description down below. Check that out. Go give him a look. Um, thank you guys so much. God loves you. So do I. Have a great day.